Welcome in to the 2QB Experience Podcast. I'm your host, my name is Greg Smith. You can find me on Twitter at Greg Sauce. This is episode 86 of the 2QB XP and the sixth installment of the new two-a-day series. I guess it's not new anymore, but each episode in this series is going to feature two different guests. I'm going to try to pair analysts who are from the same fantasy site or people who have some other sort of connection in the fantasy community. And my goal is to share with you, the listeners, a wide variety of unique takes on the quarterback position and quarterback draft strategy for all types of formats. 1QB, 2QB, 3QB, 4QB, 5QB. How many QBs can we start? It's something I've actually been thinking about lately. More, more on that perhaps later. Uh, anyway, 2QBs is dedicated to two quarterback leagues for the most part, but we just kind of want to be your home for all things quarterback. So from guest to guest, I'm going to dive into all these different topics and the first guest on today's show is Ben Cummins of the Fantasy Footballers. And we're going to talk about quarterback strategy for 1QB leagues that have more teams, you know, like 16 teamers, 14 teamers. And we're also going to talk about how to project playing time in preseason for DFS purposes. Then today's second guest is going to be Mike Wright, also of the Fantasy Footballers. And we're going to discuss why we shouldn't write off young quarterbacks too quickly and why it pays to be a cheapskate when you're playing daily fantasy at the quarterback position. Before we get to our guests, I do want to remind you that the 2QBs.com 2018 2QB and Superflex Draft Guide is now available. Visit 2QBs.com, T-W-O-Q-B-S.com to see everything that the guide has to offer. I want to specifically highlight the guide's article today uh, by Pat Fitzmorris. He goes deep on strategy for drafting quarterbacks in 2QB leagues with a really funny comparison to a classic movie, uh, you know, kind of as the lead. And I, I really appreciated it. Uh, if you are a movie buff like me, you will also like it. Pat is one of 28 other amazing analysts, uh, plus some other guy named Greg Smith, featured in the guide's 221 digital pages. 10% of each sale is going to go to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. So head over to 2QBs.com. Once again, that's T-W-O-Q-B-S.com to get your copy and dominate your two quarterback leagues. If you use the coupon code STRATEGY, you'll get 10% off. The catch is you have to proceed to checkout before entering the coupon code. If you try to enter that code on the cart screen, it's not going to work. We don't know why this is a problem, but it is. We're trying to fix it. But for now, you can't apply the coupon code STRATEGY until you get to the checkout screen. Now it's time to get to our guests. Now I'd like to welcome in Ben Cummins of the Fantasy Footballers, uh, OG 2QBs uh, alumni. Ben, it's good to have you back on, man. Welcome back. It's great to be talking to my first ever fantasy football editor and, you know, <laughs> got got so much love for the two quarterbacks team. So happy to be here, man. Yeah, love for you too, my brother. And it's, uh, it's yeah, I don't know. It's it's nostalgic every time I get to talk with you. Uh, we've got some kind of, yeah. some deep history as far as like the fantasy stuff goes, but we don't got time to get into that now. We got we to gotta talk QBs. So what's the biggest quarterback evaluation takeaway that you've gained through your work with the fantasy footballers? Man, well, you know, I'm I'm deep into the DFS stuff now, so I feel like just in general, it is the fact that, you know, you can always find a streamable quarterback. And of course, you know, this is a little bit more DFS and a little bit more one quarterback, but there's always somebody out there that is going to be able to get enough points for you that has a good matchup that can maybe get you some points on the ground. And so it's just in general, like looking at the landscape and trying to figure out, you know, is there somebody I can pick up off the waiver wire? Is there somebody I can play at cheaper minimum salary? Now, obviously it's a little bit different in two quarterback leagues, but I think it still lets us know that we can wait a little while 
to draft quarterbacks even in two quarterback leagues now that you know that doesn't have to be the only strategy and we can get a little bit more into it but that is one that I do believe can still work because the position is so deep and you can always a little bit play matchups yeah so how about when you end up in like a deeper league I'm assuming that every once in a while at least like you might mock draft like a 16 team league or something like that does that change your approach or there do you think that it's still deep enough in those larger formats to where you can still stream it and let's stick to one QB for now um I think in a two QB like large format like that's a different story yeah that's a different story um I mean I think you know the the larger the league gets you know you should be adapting your strategy a little bit but still even at the quarterback position I mean I really do feel like there are at least 22 guys that I would be somewhat comfortable starting. And, you know, in a 16-team league, it's not just the quarterback position that you have to worry about getting, especially if it is a one-quarterback league. It, you know, you have to worry more about getting those startable running backs that dry up really quickly. And those wide receivers that, yes, wide receivers pretty deep, I think. But, you know... The values are so much better when you make them your last starter or your bench players to shoot for the upside where you have the consistency already on your roster. So, I mean, actually, the more I think about it, a 16-team league would make me even more willing to wait on quarterback because it makes getting those running backs and wide receivers even that much more important. Totally agree. And it's it's something that when people talk to me about like the, the really shallow leagues – like an eight-teamer or something like that, that's where I think you can actually start to pay up for an elite quarterback or an elite tight end because you want to differentiate at those positions more because you know the the scarcity of running back and wide receiver isn't as big of a problem even though you have to start more of them but um let's pivot away from the seasonal stuff and talk more about the dfs you mentioned you're kind of getting deeper into that as you you know continue your journey through the fantasy industry man what is your process for preseason dfs particularly the quarterback position because these teams are starting multiple guys this is like the deep deep two qb time of year where we get to like care about backup qbs (laughs) and we and we already care about them a little bit in season but for like preseason dfs we actually have to know how to value these guys and i'm assuming you're playing a little bit of preseason dfs what's your approach yeah i uh i've never been the craziest uh preseason dfs guy but i do play and and it's such a grind because you really just have to uh you know follow these beat writers on twitter and it's all about playing time i mean that's really what it comes down to uh trying to figure out which you know unit is going to be on the field at what time who's going to play the longest who's going to play with who and that's really kind of just what it comes down to for me if you can identify the guys that you think are going to be on the field for even a half in preseason dfs that's huge and so i mean that's really that's really my main takeaway is just you know trying to use the knowledge of depth charts to my advantage of okay well i know the second or third string is going to play a lot tonight so who's a guy that's flashed in the past that you know or this training camp that is projected to get a lot of time is dante pettis projected to see a ton of time in preseason week one well all his training camp reports have been really positive so if it sounds like he's going to get you know two quarters of run, then let's throw him in because he should do enough for me to make money. So, I mean, I wish I had a better answer for you, but it's really just about who's going to be on the field and hopefully projecting some opportunity with that because preseason somewhat is such a crapshoot, especially the first and second weeks before you get the starters playing a lot of time. 
I mean, don't apologize, man. It, it, that's that's the answer. Right. Like, you've got to chase right. the guys who are going to be in the game. Like there is no better answer. So I mean, that's that's it. Um, you mentioned Pettis. Has anybody else, or, or I guess, what other sources do you trust, or, or do you really lean on for that kind of depth chart news for those like camp reports? Because a lot of that stuff is fluff. A lot of it is kind of in one ear out the other. For me, like what what are a couple of your go tos? Let's let's help the listeners out here. Well, I mean, I really don't. I mean, it's Evan Silva. It's like it's the top guys <laughs> in the industry because what they're retweeting is kind of what I'm looking for, and I am following more. Uh, beat reporters here as I go along, but I'm really just kind of looking for what is being retweeted and what's on my timeline and what I'm seeing. But, you know, there is a lot of fluff out there. And I completely agree with you. I'm, I'm, you know, registering. Okay. It seems like Cortland Sutton's having an amazing camp, Anthony Miller, Dante Pettis. So I want to keep an eye on these guys, but ultimately what matters more is usage. So the reports that Taewon Taylor is playing 100% on the outside, which if healthy, could kick Richard Matthews into the slot. Like that's what I'm looking for is that type of usage. I want to see in the preseason is Emmanuel Sanders lining up a lot more in the slot this year because Cortland Sutton could play on the outside of wider in, in three wide sets, which is going to push him into the slot, which is where Adam Thielen made a ton of his uh, money last year in the slot playing with Keenum. So it's usage more than anything else. And this is what makes it fun because even if you're not playing preseason DFS, or even if you are, what you want to pay attention to is that usage so that you can figure out what is going to actually pay dividends for you in the regular season. And I know one of those mistakes that I made last year, and I'm trying to learn from this and, and make usage more important, is I was really high on Willie Sneed. And then in the preseason, his role didn't change at all, even though a guy like Cooks was gone. Okay, well, Ted Ginn's just going to kind of take over, and maybe he won't see as much target share. But Sneed's usage and role isn't really changing, so I really need to stop being as bullish. And even if he would have played that role, uh, Brandon Coleman, who did, you know, wasn't super relevant. So those are the main takeaways that I want to see is who's playing with the ones and where are they lining up. Nice, yeah. Um, let's get back to QBs. Who is your favorite backup quarterback, like somebody you might be a little bit more excited to play in preseason DFS and root for? Uh, well, I'm all in on Baker Mayfield pretty much in terms of, I, you know, I love Tyrod Taylor and he's probably going to be talked about here, but I am waiting for the changing of the guard if it does happen just because, and granted, the the Browns are making dumb decisions, I think, uh, giving away Corey Coleman for nothing and now Antonio Callaway, like some of their depth is falling. Um, I think Josh Gordon is good. I'm buying the narrative that he just doesn't want to be around hard knocks. So we'll see if that comes to fruition, but I still think they have talent there in Landry and Gordon and Njoku and Duke Johnson. And so when slash if Baker Mayfield takes over, I'm going to be very excited from a DFS standpoint, as well as just, you know, any league whatsoever, because even though I love Tyrod from a fantasy standpoint, I think Baker's pure accuracy and passing traits are going to make him very interesting himself in, in fantasy, but more so I think that's going to be a, a boost for not only Jarvis Landry, but Josh Gordon as well. That's just kind of how I look at it because uh, Tyrod is bringing you the, the legs and the, you know, the deep pass attack, which we have seen him provide with Sammy Watkins. So I'm prepared to be wrong on this standpoint, but I just think that Baker will help all the pass catchers there. And because of that, I'm excited to see him 
start to kind of boost that whole offense. Yeah, I'm going to start using that Antonio Callaway excuse for like the when I have to draft the quarterbacks, like when I wait too long, when I play late round quarterback a little bit too close to the hairy edge, I'd be like, oh, I I didn't draft Blake Bortles. I let my friend draft my team and he gave me Blake Bortles or, or Joe Flacco or whoever. But um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, who's the most overvalued quarterback to you this season? Uh, well, I hate saying this because I think it was probably the opposite last year. And this is one of my favorite players in the league, but I'm going to say Russell Wilson, and that might sound crazy. Um, I think when you get into the middle tier, it's just all so jumbled. And so I think when we're talking overvalued, like Russell Wilson is still being drafted um, as as, I, as far as I know, one of the top five quarterbacks in almost every single league. And he does give you that rushing floor and that rushing upside. And I, I absolutely see that. But a guy that accounted for, I think, 37 of the 38 touchdowns, one of the craziest stats last year for the Seahawks, I think going into last year, he was bound for positive touchdown regression. And we saw that and it happened in a big way and it was awesome. But I think you could see the opposite happen this year. Obviously, they want to change the offense. Now, I don't think that's really going to happen because the defense has lost a lot of pieces. But the problem for me is I'm somebody that does like to put a good amount of stock in the depth chart and players around the quarterback because yes, quarterbacks can elevate the pass catchers, but I think it, you know, it is a relationship where both play a role. And now Doug Baldwin has the knee injury, um, which concerns me a little bit. But other than that, no Jimmy Graham, no Paul Richardson. They really brought in nobody. I'm not thinking Brandon Marshall is going to make a significant impact. I like Tyler Lockett, but there's just not a ton of weapons there that tells me, yeah, I'm for sure putting Russell Wilson in my elite tier. And there's a point in the draft where I absolutely have to take him. For me, he kind of falls a little bit closer to that that quarterback two tier. And so he's just somebody that I'm probably not going to end up with this year because I'll go for the guys I think are a little bit have a little bit more upside based on their supporting cast. Or I'll just wait and draft some guys a little bit later that are less sexy, but I think are going to be serviceable enough for me. Yeah, leaning on, you know, the analysis of the depth chart and leaning on like a good cast of weapons or supporting pieces, whether it be offensive line and weapons or or just weapons, like that's been a bit of a recurring theme in this series so far with all the different guests I've talked about. I, I like that you're kind of echoing that because one thing I want to do with this series is kind of show a bunch of different opinions. And when we start to hear the same things over and over again, like from smart people like you and like everyone else who's been on the show, like that's when we can really start to buy into those sorts of analytical tools. Um, let's, let's turn it the other way. Who is the most undervalued QB to you right now? Yeah, I just, I just love Phillip rivers. Uh, I feel like he could be the answer to this every year. And I hate that Hunter Henry got hurt because I feel like he was set up to just absolutely smash that does hurt his upside. But I feel like that again, just puts him in this place where you can just wait and you can get, such a reliable quarterback. He finished second in the league in passing yards last year, which I don't think a lot of people realize. And yeah, the weapons are maybe a little questionable, but you have Keenan Allen who is healthy. And, you know, I, I bought in last year and it was really fun. I think he's one of the best receivers in the game. Versatile, can play outside, can play inside. You have Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler, two running backs that I think can catch passes. Rivers has, you know, always historically relied on guys in that area to help him. Um, you know, Travis Benjamin's not going to be a guy that is reliant, reliable in fantasy, but he is going to catch 40, 50 balls. He's going to 
you know, get deep a couple of times. Tyrell Williams, the gazelle, he's still there. He's going to be relevant. And then Mike Williams, who, yes, he did nothing last year, but he was hurt. And I don't think that he's all of a sudden going to be this beast and be reliable for fantasy, but he can help out and pick up some of that red zone target share that Hunter Henry is leaving behind. So I still think there's enough weapons there for Rivers to just do what he always does, which is throw for over 4,000 yards, throw around 25 touchdowns, and just be that reliable piece that you can wait on and get later than you know some guys that are going to go before him and ultimately put up very similar statistics yeah i i like what rivers offers from the safety standpoint and a floor standpoint um i and i i'm actually big on tyrell williams i'm kind of expecting a bit of like a post hype breakout from him this season um i've been drafting him a lot in like uh, best ball leagues and, and a lot of just like the two qb mocks i've been doing he's a guy i can't really resist you know like when it gets to you know the 11th or 12th round or something he's still there it's like I just see that upside especially with Hunter Henry out now with that said I do think Mike Williams might be the biggest beneficiary of that injury to Henry like it seems like you're right like I really like that you point out that Williams probably won't be reliable week to week but neither was Hunter Henry last year yeah I think that he can offer that same sort of performance expectation where some weeks he's going to catch a touchdown some weeks he's going to catch seven passes based upon you know the type of defense they're playing or something like that but he'll be more of a complimentary piece than a guy that really is featured in the offense because we all know that that's Keenan Allen. Um, who's the toughest quarterback for you to evaluate this season? So I think this is Marcus Mariota, and I have been somebody that's been very interested in him for the last couple of years, and it worked out two years ago, and it didn't last year. And I want to buy in and and really like him again. I like the change in coaching staff. I like that Corey Davis, we know he was one of the most flawless wide receiver prospects ever, um, I believe is the collegiate leader in receiving yards. Um, so I like what he can bring in year two. I was a big fan of Taewon Taylor. Uh, I think Evan Silva has talked about how he sees some Emmanuel Sanders. I too saw some Emmanuel Sanders in his game, and I love me some Manny Sanders. So I like that. Uh, if Richard Matthews can be healthy, he's always old, reliable. Delaney Walker, same exact thing. And and Marcus Mariota is another guy that is going to give you that floor slash upside on the ground. So uh, there are a lot of things to like, plus Deion Lewis in the passing game. But when I go look at, you know, and granted, you know, it could have just been a really down year and I get that. But when you look at some of the pro football focused statistics, he's such an odd quarterback when you look at some of those because he scored really highly under pressure and in play action. And, you know, Matt LaFleur comes over from uh, the Rams, and the Rams were the highest play-action team last year, so I think that should help him too. So I absolutely am fine investing in him. But when you look at some of the other numbers from Pro Football Focus, especially throwing from a clean pocket, which I want my quarterback to be able to stand in there and find the guys when he's when he's given the time, Marcus Mariota scores really, really low, like in the Eli Manning, Joe Flacco areas. And so – He's hard because I see the upside and I want to buy in, but I do actually have a little bit of reservation there to where he kind of falls still in that golfish, Alex Smithish, Blake Bortles range that doesn't scream like, oh yeah, I definitely have to go get this guy. Yeah, and if you're ranking him there, you're not going to get him because the optimism around there, like I mean, myself included, I'm I'm a Marcus Mariota optimist, like. 
you're not going to be able to draft him because somebody else has just taken him earlier. Which quarterback are you ending up with the most often in your drafts? Well, Rivers is uh, is right there, and for the reasons that I talked about, um, so it's it's probably him. But I think that uh, Blake Bortles is another guy that just like I mean, when you look at it, he constantly finishes up there and he does it in different ways but he's another guy that like i'm trying to be much bigger on looking at rushing floors and ceilings and bortles actually provided a lot on the ground last year and i don't necessarily see that changing especially when they kind of started incorporating plays where bortles was quarterback designed runs in the playoffs they know that's a part of the offense um so he's another guy that i'll just take where he finishes every year and take the ADP discount and just, even though it doesn't feel great, especially in two quarterback leagues, like I'm okay rostering him. And it kind of, it, it still just like doesn't feel good, but you also look at it like Marquise Lee was pretty solid last year. I've always liked Moncrief, at least from a red zone weapon standpoint, DD Westbrook and Keelan Cole made me believers last year. They bring in Austin Safarian Jenkins. I can't wait to see if they actually do incorporate Corey Grant more into the offense. TJ Yeldon can catch balls. Leonard Fournette caught more passes than I thought he would last year. Like, I, I'm okay drafting him, and so I will do it. Yeah, that receiver core in Jacksonville is one of the most fascinating things to me this offseason. Yes. Who are you, like outside of Marquise Lee, who do you think is going to be the best receiver to own there in fantasy? Man, um, I, I wish I could tell you. Uh, I I'm I do like Keelan Cole a lot. Mm-hmm. He put up, I think it was like 700 receiving yards for a rookie. I wish it seemed like the team liked him as much. Um, so I will say D.D. Westbrook because he had the production in college. He comes instantly in in the preseason and, you know, balls out and I'm sitting there thinking, okay, this is a guy that I have to keep in mind for when he comes back, especially with all the injuries they had, he comes in and he was productive as soon as he stepped on the field. Like for me, he was a a cash game play every single week in DFS and he was just winning me money every week. So I like DD Westbrook. Um, so I will say him just because I feel like he already did it last year. I just feel like he has a little bit more upside than Moncrief who even with luck sometimes showed me that he can catch touchdowns, but I want a little bit more on a team that I don't really think is going to present you a ton of pass touchdown upside. Right. And as much as we like Blake Bortles as a value, he is not Andrew Luck. So we can't necessarily count on him to support Moncrief in that same way. Right. If you're really trying to scrape the bottom of the barrel at quarterback, who's the worst guy you'd be fine with starting? Let's say in a one quarterback league first. So in a one quarterback league, um, I have Kirk Cousins as my 15th ranked quarterback. And uh, that is a guy, or I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, The worst quarterback that I'd be fine starting in a one quarterback league is actually going to push me way down the board even farther. And I'm going to be looking at the Case Keenums and the Mitch Trubisky's and even the Dak Prescott's of the world. So Dak is another hard one that I could have said is the hardest to evaluate because he's another guy that offers that rushing floor and upside. I just feel like the offense in, offense in general is not going to offer as many touchdown opportunities, which he's had six rushing touchdowns, I believe it is, his first two years in the league. I just If that falls a little bit, his passing numbers just aren't going to be there. So 
he's a guy that I'd be okay starting in a one quarterback league because of the rushing upside. Um, and, and those are the areas. But when we come down to it, what I said about Baker Mayfield earlier was great. But until Tyrod Taylor re- is not the starter, like I'll start Tyrod Taylor all day, every single yeah. week to start the season and get him at a great value. And then once he gets benched, I'll either try to pick up Baker or I'll just pick somebody else up or I'll just be looking for somebody that's undervalued along the way. Like, oh, last year Carson Wentz wasn't drafted. Let me just slide him on my bench and start Tyrod until maybe I decide to change that. So, I mean, the real answer for me is Tyrod Taylor until he doesn't play anymore. And we know quarterback is very replaceable in one quarterback leagues. So it doesn't matter that he could lose his job in week five, week six, week eight. Maybe he doesn't lose his job all year and you end up having a top 15 quarterback all year that you drafted in one of the last few rounds of your one quarterback league. Yeah, it kills me because I also love Tyrod Taylor. I mean, he's been kind of one of the poster boys of 2QBs.com for a long time. But yeah, I have my uh, my tie goat shirt. There you go. I've got one of those, too. Uh, but we like I draft so much two QB now that I just never end up with them because in a two quarterback league you do want that job security like it, from from your your starters at least if you draft Tyrod as like your QB three that's fine especially if it's like super flex like you ride it out like you said for as long as you can but yeah I, I just I'm not ending up with him anywhere because I'm not playing you know the formats that are conducive to to rostering him let's right. talk about two QB leagues now. How far down will you wait before you start to panic with your QB1 spot? Like, who's the, the quote-unquote worst quarterback you'd be fine with starting there as your, as your number one guy? Yeah, I got I got ahead of myself on this last one, and, and it's exactly what you said. You have to pay so much more attention to job security in two quarterback leagues because there aren't really any starters available on the waiver wire in a lot of leagues, and, and maybe one or two. So Not good ones, at least, right? Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And so to me, this is where I'm saying Kirk Cousins is my quarterback 15. And so I'm wanting to get one of those top 15 guys if I can. And of course, every draft is different. And you could see a crazy quarterback run go to the point where it's like, no, I'm not going to just, you know, be a sheep and do exactly what everyone else is doing. Like they're leaving all of these studs for me. And so maybe it doesn't play out that way. But in general, I'm looking to get one of my top 15 guys. Um, and kind of that range for me is I got Stafford at nine, Matt Ryan at 10, Phillip Rivers 11. Um, I, I got luck at 12 just because I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm being optimistic. I got Pat Mahomes 13, Ben Roethlisberger 14, Cousins 15. So I'm looking for one of those guys knowing that I still have to invest in a second one and still likely want to invest in a third high upside guy at the very least. So I'm wanting to get a guy like that um, to at least be my my first quarterback. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I, honestly, I don't think – like if Kirk Cousins is your QB 15, I don't think you're going to end up with him much either because the optimism around him after moving to Minnesota with Diggs and Thielen, like it's he's starting to climb up my draft boards when I'm, when I'm doing mocks and, and best balls right now. Um, how about for your QB 2 spot in a two-quarterback league? How far down are you willing to reach? So this is where I go, like I talked about the the uh, Case Keenums, Mitchell Trubisky's, Dak Prescott's, uh, Andy Dalton, Eli Manning, down to Derek Carr. Like I would be okay with Derek Carr being my quarterback too because he has job security yep. and he should put up 
a enough statistics to where he's a fine quarterback too. And I can wait, I feel like this year, because the hype has completely died off and take him at a point that is, you know, cause it's all about price. So for me, I can take him at a price that I feel comfortable with after I've already loaded up on what I feel are the most important positions in pretty much every league, those top tier running backs, wide receivers and things of that nature. So I'm okay going that route. Another one that's going to come at a value, which in one quarterback leagues, you can just ignore him completely. But in two quarterback leagues, I don't think that's smart. Jameis Winston is a guy that I'm okay taking at an okay price. And yes, you do have to hold him, which is a little bit tough. And if you play in leagues that, you know, you only get like five bench spots, those are the absolute worst leagues in the world. It's going to make it a little tougher. But if you have enough bench equity to where you can hold him well week five week six whenever he comes back from that buy and he can really ramp him up in a two quarterback league he's going to be very very valuable at that that point so i'm also looking for him as somebody that okay let me grab winston as maybe my quarterback two um and, and then i'll maybe just try to make it work with tyrod if i can get him or ryan Tannehill, as terrible as that sounds just to get by until I have a really good quarterback, too, that I could have drafted multiple rounds earlier had this small suspension not happened. Yeah, that makes sense. I like both of those guys, Carr and Winston, as values, just because you're getting the discounts associated with them. Derek Carr, because he was injured last year. Winston, because he's got the suspension. And you and you can weather that storm, uh, even in a two-quarterback lead, because there are no buys in those early weeks. Ben, we're running out of time here. Do you have any other thoughts on analyzing QBs or draft strategy for quarterback that you want to share with the listeners before we go? Uh, I think we've done a good job. Um, I think, again, ultimately, you can wait, uh, even in two-quarterback leagues, which I think that a lot of people in you know two-quarterbacks, you guys have hit on it. Um, I was a part of kind of talking about some of the strategy at one point. Like I feel like, especially if all of a sudden your league changes to a two-quarterback league, uh, one, I think you should do that because I don't buy this argument that, oh, well, there's only one quarterback on the field. So there should only be one quarterback in fantasy making every quarterback relevant is actually the way to kind of level the playing field with what actually happens in real life. So there are more leagues, I think changing to this format. So if your league switches to this for the first time, don't feel like, Oh my gosh, I absolutely have to draft two quarterbacks in the first five rounds. Granted that makes sense. If you do get the elite tier guys of a Rogers, a Cam Newton, a breeze, a Brady, a Wentz, a Deshaun Watson, you know, even Russell Wilson to a certain extent, but you can also wait. And, you know, especially if there is a run, you can look at that and say, there's a lot of relevant starting quarterbacks. We kind of just hit on that a little bit. So let me get these running backs that, you know, have guaranteed volume, even if they are the Alex Collins and the Joe Mixon's, that questionable tier, those guys are important because once you get past those guys, running back is bare and, you know, you want to take advantage of those valuable wide receivers in the middle rounds that you think are um, undervalued. The Manny Sanders, the Chris Hogan's, the Randall Cobbs, if he's healthy, things like that. So don't overdo it just because you see your league mates doing it or because it's a two quarterback league. You still have to start a lot of running backs, a lot of wide receivers and tight ends. Yeah, man. Great stuff. Uh, last thing before we go, say something nice about this episode's other guest, your podcast co-host, Mike Wright. Oh, man, it, it's very easy. It's Mike Wright makes it very easy. He does such a good job on the Fantasy Footballers podcast, and he holds it down. He's the host of our DFS podcast, you know, makes it, it just turns it over to me, allows me to kind of just jump into the statistics where he takes care of some of the humor so I don't have to try to be uh, more, uh, try to be funny because I'm really not. So 
he makes my job very easy, and I'm glad that uh, we're kind of somewhat doing this together because uh, we've had a, a good first year with the DFS Pass, and we're about to roll out here for year two. Yep, listeners, be sure to check that out. Follow Ben on Twitter at Ben Cummins FF. Now let's get to Mike. I'd like to welcome Mike Wright to the program of the Fantasy Footballers. Mike, it's good to have you on the show, man. How you doing? Oh, it's fantastic to be here. I appreciate the invite. And we live in a crazy, crazy world with August here. We, we can already feel it over at Footballers Headquarters. The you, the electricity is out. The football is about to be played. The the casual fan is returning. It's it's a really, really good time to be in fantasy. Yep, and we got a lot of QB takes to get through here, so I'm just going to jump right in. What's the biggest quarterback evaluation takeaway that you've gained through your work with the fantasy footballers? Oh, man, the, the biggest takeaway for me is I'll say that number one, don't write people off too quickly. I like it. And we saw that very clearly this past season with Jared Goff, who his, his very first year in the league looked completely inept. It, it, I, I don't know how you felt about watching his tape and watching him play on Sunday, but to me it was, holy crap, the Rams have made a huge egregious mistake by taking Jared Goff, by trading everything for Jared Goff. And then, of course, Sean McVay comes in and really turns the, the team around. Not what just not just Jared Goff, but everything for Todd Gurley, too. Of course, Carson Wentz, we saw his leap from year one to year two. And, and we even had Alex Smith, who I'm not – I honestly – I'm not exactly sure what happened with Alex Smith. I don't know <laughs> if it was – if it was the drafting of Patrick Mahomes behind him because that he had been in that system forever. He's been in the NFL forever. The only thing that changed on this team was uh, a rookie behind him. And on top of that, he got one of the fastest guys in the NFL, Tyree kill to play wide receiver for him. So I, I'm going to put the causation a little bit more on him on Tyreek than I do on Patrick Mahomes. But like I said, it's it's real, real easy to make snap judgments on these players after one season, even two seasons, and then find out that you are completely wrong. They were just in the wrong position, and they were not given the opportunity to thrive with their skill set. Well, and you can look at it the other way, too. Like With Alex Smith, we thought we knew who he was. He had put together that track record of so many seasons of kind of just baseline, mediocre quarterback play. To have him end up being the quarterback two through 16 weeks was incredible, but it proves that these guys can kind of turn on a dime. Um, You mentioned Goff, and I think the pendulum swung a little bit too far the other way this year, although it is interesting to me how fairly he's being priced. Like at first, like if you were looking at like people's rankings back in, I don't know, March or April, you probably saw him a little too high, but now people are being a little bit more measured with him. Um, Do you see any other players kind of being that type of, you know, maybe written off too early uh, this season? Oh, so what I, where I'm going to start with this is I actually fear uh, that people are, are doing that to Mitch Trubisky. And I know that it, it's kind of become a, a very commonly accepted narrative. I'm not breaking any ground here by saying that, that people are applying what happened to the Rams. They're applying it to Chicago with a, yep. Yep. A, a an offensive mind from a strong offensive tree coming in and taking over a team that actually has they have offensive pieces everywhere now and Trubisky 
I didn't re- I didn't like Trubisky coming out of college. He was not. He, I don't think he was even in my top three quarterbacks. So I thought Chicago was making a strange decision when when they traded up to get him. Uh, when you could have had you know Mahomes, right? Yep. I mean Mahomes was going to drop to you, but we we don't even I don't think we have enough film to even judge Trubisky this last year. But you had that game where would he throw the ball seven times or something? I mean John Fox put John Fox. Fox put beyond training wheels on Mitch Trubisky. Uh, of I, what? What would you even call worse than training wheels at this point? I mean, it's like he was just he bubbled him up and yeah, re- refused wrap. and refused to see if they even had anything in this rookie and ultimately helped lead him astray or, or lead him off the team. I should say, lead him to the unemployment line to collect a very very small unemployment check uh but guys that i think could be written off too soon to bounce back this year i I don't i don't know i don't know how you feel on this show but i think people are writing off dak prescott a little bit too soon Mm -hmm. I'm, i'm on fantasy football calculator he's going as the 21st quarterback he is going behind the up the possible upside and belief that Pat Mahomes is going to be a great quarterback. He's going behind Eli Manning, who hasn't done anything in the NFL for fantasy purposes in forever. And Dak, through the first, I think, eight weeks or so, was the number one fantasy quarterback in points per game. Everything fell apart. I put the the causation. I've somehow managed to say that word twice on your podcast, even though I don't know if I've ever like used that word fiction. in my life. <laughs> But they, he, his offensive line, they, one, they didn't play up to par. Two, he lost his superstar left tackle for half the season. I don't, it, it, I don't care if Zeke wasn't on the field. That was the problem with Dak because if he is comfortable and he has time to throw, Dak Prescott can be a good quarterback. On top of that, you have that nice rushing baseline. He's, he's going to score four to six touchdowns on the ground and on designed runs. You're not, you're not talking he scrambled and he happened to run one in for 20 yards and scored. You're, you're seeing them do uh, a read option up near the goal line, and they're letting Dak take care of business. So that's all built in. And a guy who was great his rookie year was the number one fantasy quarterback for half a season. Uh, he imploded with extreme prejudice. That second half of the season, I mean, he was awful. But as but as the quarterback, twenty one, you got to give him a little bit more grace than that for having seen a year and a half of great play of of a very efficient and very solid fantasy play to to throw him into the garbage at this point already at, as a low end quarterback too. I think it, I think people could be regretting that. Yeah. He's. I agree. He's a little undervalued. I don't know if he's the most overvalued QB. Um, what do you think? Do you think he's the most undervalued guy, or is there somebody you would, somebody else you would tap for that? Oh no, the, the most undervalued guy in the league is Sam Bradford, by like by, by far. Because I'm, he, I don't know if people would necessarily disagree with me saying if Sam Bradford plays 16 games, he is a quarterback one, which. For, for I think the majority of industry people to say, oh yeah, that, that's not hot takey at all. What's hot takey is saying that Sam Bradford is going to play 16 games, 
given his injury history and the fact that the Cardinals traded up in the first round for his replacement. But there is, a world exists. This this and this is how we have to play fantasy football. You have to say, does the does this opportunity exist? Is there a world where this could happen? Then you gotta look at it and you gotta think this it's in the realm of possibilities. I should pay attention. And Sam Bradford could play sixteen games. He's got David Johnson, he's got Larry Fitzgerald around him, and he's got deep threat Bryce Butler, who as of right now is going to be the wide receiver two on the team. He has he has capable weapons. And if he plays sixteen games, he's gonna be a top twelve quarterback. And he's not even being drafted right now, according to the calculator. Yeah, I don't even mind that that's a homer pick. Um, who's the most... I'll get out of here. With all... I, try, I try not to be a homer. I try I'm very just, hard. I'm just, I'm just messing with you, Mike. Who's <laughs> who's the most overvalued QB to you right now? Watson. Yep. That, yeah. Okay, we'll move on because that's basically the answer that half the people have given. Um, how about who's your toughest quarterback evaluation for 2018? Ooh, I, I will say my toughest quarterback evaluation is... It's the handsome one. It's Jimmy Garoppolo from San Francisco because he came in, he won a bunch of games, he he had great yardage totals, he was hit, but the, the touchdown ratio, the touchdown percentage was not even close to what you need from a fantasy quarterback to return. And, and right now he's uh, looks like the tenth quarterback off the board so for him to return that value those touchdowns they have to come up now certainly they could but we have seen that there are some quarterbacks in this league they just they light it up when it comes to yardage but when it comes to the red zone they just they can't seem to get it done or the coaching staff just prefers to go to the ground game once they're once they're in scoring range and that really caps the upside of those passing touchdowns so he is He's difficult for me because I think he can be great, but I have him uh, I have him on bust alert going as a top 12 quarterback with such a with such a small sample size of uh, of unknown built into built into the evaluation of Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, the price is just a little bit too high on him. Um, I want to pivot to a little bit of daily fantasy talk. We just had Ben Cummins on the show, and oh, BC, I, I hope he he better have brought it. He did. He always does. Okay. And uh, you guys host a DFS podcast together, and I'm curious to hear your take on you know quarterbacks in those formats, and specifically like kind of school our listeners maybe on how you view the quarterback position in a cash game versus a tournament. Or uh, you know any other advice you want to impart for quarterback evaluation in DFS? Sure. Regardless of GPP or cash, I am a cheap, I am a cheapskate when it comes to the quarterback position. I go to that dollar store and I say, ah, a dollar is too much for this junk. Give me something even cheaper because I load up on my positional players. I find that matchup that I think is good enough for whoever to come through and just give me. Give me the uh, the two fifty. I'd love to hit that. You know, I'd love to hit the bonus. Love to hit that. But just give me two hundred to two fifty with the the upside of hitting two touchdowns, and you're you're my guy. And while I save the cash there and I load up, I I know a lot of people are are on the the side of I'm going to pay up. I'm going to get those secure guys. But I've I've had my most successful weeks when I stream basically stream in dfs 
It's almost like that's the optimal strategy for quarterbacks across all formats. Hmm. <laughs> As they stroke my beard. Um, are, do you scrape the bottom of the barrel like that in your seasonal leagues as well? Or are you generally a late round quarterback guy? Almost, almost always. I, I will say I, when, when value is there, I'm not, I'm not the guy who I'm not Kramer in Seinfeld, right? Where the, the gaslight has come on. I'm trying to take this card <laughs> to the limit just to prove a point. If value is there, I'm going to take the value, right? If yeah. if somehow Cam Newton is in the 10th round, I'm not going to be stupid. I'm going to take Cam Newton. I'm going to accept his uh, boom-bust rate, but I'm going to go with it. So, it's, But a lot of times I am forced into scraping the bottle of the barrel. My One of my proudest moments was, so this is before the fantasy footballers existed. This is I have heard the philosophy i have read jj zacharyson's book i've gone holy crap this makes so much sense and i started adopting this in our league of record which the other fantasy footballers they're in this league with me as well so i start taking this thing to the limit and it gets to the point where the whole draft room has now turned against me where people are yelling out and we're at a live draft they're saying Draft a quarterback. Mike is so screwed. He doesn't have a quarterback <laughs> yep. yet. And I just keep biding my time. I act, I end up drafting Big Ben, you know, with my whatever last positional pick. The day before the season starts, I grab Carson Palmer because they're taking on the San Diego Chargers to open up the season. So I go into week one st- already streaming the position and the move from Big Ben to Carson Palmer was literally the difference in points that gave me the victory. And the the player who I beat was one of the very, very vocal people in the draft room saying how I'm going to lose and suck because I don't have a quarterback. So he got a few choice choice words of celebration. Yeah, I love it. That's great. Um, who's the worst, or I shouldn't say who's the worst, but what's, what's the typical price point at which you do start to consider drafting QBs and if you have experience in two quarterback formats, let's try to lean towards that because that's that's what we care about most at 2QBs.com. Sure, and I get it. I will thoroughly admit I don't have a ton of two-quarterback experience. I do have a little bit, but generally I'm still of the ilk that I want to wait. And obviously you guys are, are – you already know that the wait becomes shorter. It, mm-hmm. it's, not, it's not the same as a one-quarterback where you can get – you can get a top 12 guy in the 12th round. You you have to play the room of just of positional scarcity, of course. So quarterbacks go off early, but I don't I don't gravitate towards that first or second round quarterback. I wait until that tier break has happened, and then I'm trying to grab three or I should say two middle tier guys. So. Even though I don't love him as the 15th quarterback, Jared Goff, let's say, sure. right around that area. Let's go, let's go Jared Goff, Alex Smith. If I can get two guys right around that range, and then with my last pick, I clean up with Bortles or Sam Bradford, and then I just, I have my, I have my generals, so to speak, that I can call upon on a given week, whoever has the best matchup. So that, that's how I approach it because I still, see the 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 higher value is in those high-end running backs and high-end wide receivers which i i believe gives my team an advantage 
Yep, me too. Uh, kind of across all your different... Well, this is not very fun if we're I just going to agree on everything. It, it's been happening far, far too much on uh, this series. And I mean, this is Cut part of the podcast. But this we're is part here. of the thing with this series, right? Is I'm trying to pull a lot of different people from around the, the fantasy community and, and, and get these viewpoints on QBs and how to approach the position. And what I'm hoping for is that across all the different voices, we get some dissent, right? There are some people who are going to disagree on certain players, and that's interesting. But I also want to see what people agree on, because that's kind of where I think the listeners can can gain a lot, is to say, oh, well, not only does Mike think this, but Greg thinks this, and so does Evan Silva, and so does Ben Cummins, and whatever. And I think that's really exciting. Um, across all the different formats that you're drafting, who's the quarterback that you're drafting the most often, you think? Ooh, the guy I'm... Drafting the the most often, I would say right now it's it's either Rivers or Stafford. Uh, I think that they provide s- just such a a known. I know what they're going to do, right? right. They're, they're going to yep. be fantastic quarterbacks, and generally speaking, at least one of those guys is available in, in the double digit rounds. Where maybe I have a couple guys on my bench. The the sleepers at this range are not really my favorite tier of guys so it's fine then I'll, i'm gonna get a quarterback who can go and just lock in if you if i get philip rivers i feel 100 percent confident that i'm going to play him nearly every single week unless he ends up he, unless he comes across a buzzsaw defense on the road fine I'll, I'll look to stream the position that given week if it's not those guys uh, between those two then I'm waiting till the end and I'm grabbing Alex Smith, who I think even at quarterback where we talk quarterback 18, people are sleeping on Alex Smith and sleeping on what Jay Gruden does for the quarterback position. You saw him work magic with Andy Dalton when he was in Cincinnati and Jay Gruden, of course, people like Andy Dalton is still imbued with those stats. We're, we're still waiting for Andy Dalton to be, a, a good fantasy quarterback because he's done it before. But that was Jay Gruden working those strings, and then we see we have seen what Jay Gruden did with Kirk Cousins. Uh, it's really just one bad year, one one bad quarterback year in the past. What are five or six for Jay Gruden? And they they said Alex Smith, you are our guy. They gave him a huge extension. The weapons, no one is stands out as a name necessarily in Washington, but I think he has good wide receivers around him. If Jordan Reed can uh, work out his boneless toes and get things going again, I mean, Vernon Davis is their best friend of Alex Smith. So I think Alex Smith is the, is a guy who is a late round quarterback that it fits the mold of what I want, where he's late and he just might turn into a weekly starter where I don't even have to worry about streaming the position. Cause I found the guy. Yep, I love it. I, and I, I try not to put too much stock into coaching narratives, but I do... Oh, I'm on it, baby. I, with Jay Gruden, I buy in a little bit. And I, I'm curious, do you have any concerns about Kirk Cousins moving away from there? Like, obviously, he's landed in a quote-unquote good situation in Minnesota, right. but do you have any worry that moving away from Jay Gruden is going to maybe nerf some of his value or some of his you know ability as a fantasy quarterback? I definitely have some concern with him. That's why it's... Uh, that's why he's not my most drafted quarterback because at quarterback, uh, you know, seven to nine, you can actually get a pretty good value on Kirk Cousins, who's his upside to me is a top five quarterback because sure. that's what he's been the past few years. 
I think what works to his advantage is, and I, I'm playing, I'm playing the couch psychiatrist here, but I feel like when Kirk Cousins, when the chips are, or I said, when the cards are in the favor of Kirk Cousins, that's when he thrives. Mm-hmm. That's when he just pours it on. When they are against him, that's when he crumbles. That's when he takes the knee before the half instead of spiking the ball <laughs> in, in one of the greatest plays of all time. The chips and the cards, everything is in his favor going to Minnesota. He has an elite defense. He has two elite wide receivers. I guess not everything's in his favor because his offensive line isn't that good. But he was playing behind a mash unit of offensive linemen this past year with Washington. Dalvin Cook looks like an emerging superstar. Latavius Murray is a fine backup running back. So everything is very much in the favor of Kirk Cousins, which is why I'm still okay going in and saying, yeah, he's he's going to be an easy quarterback one. Is there a quarterback that you wish you could draft more often? Like a guy who you like and you would like to have Aaron on your team? Aaron Rodgers. Okay. <laughs> Full stop. <laughs> I... In, no, I because I, I've, I never, ha- I've never had him. Yeah, I've never had him on my team. I will never have him on my team unless somehow middle of, of the season I just have such a surge of great players that I'm able to trade for him. It would be great. I've, I have dreams of getting Aaron Rodgers on my team someday, but the opportunity cost of the draft, I'm just I'm not going in on him. And, and the guy. Let's see, on more teams. Someone who I don't like, know, you feel just... like you've just missed on a lot. You know what I mean? Like somebody who like sure. you, you feel like is pretty fairly valued and you're ready to take him, but he always seems to go like just a little bit earlier in the round. So like I talked about with if value is looking me in the face at the quarterback position, I'm not afraid to do it. It's Drew Brees. Everyone is like Drew Brees is finally at a place where I could maybe get him. In drafts, he's yep. currently my second highest rated quarterback in my projections. But he just tends to go a little bit too early. Because if Drew Brees is around in the eighth round, I am very excited to draft Drew Brees. He, which I don't have very, very much Drew Brees because of that. Uh, but he, people are bailing on Drew Brees, which I think is outrageous. For a guy who who has led the league in passing yards, what was three or four straight years until last season? This was uh, before last year. the 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 passing touchdown to rushing ratio for New Orleans was always over two to one. Last year it was a freakish one to one. Alvin Kamara was what the most efficient running back of all time, mm-hmm. it, scoring, and Mark Ingram, who's out for four games. I I just think that the that most people are bailing on who Drew Brees has been for an entire career because he had one down year for fantasy. I granted we could get to the end of the season and I and that this could be the new normal for Drew Brees. I just in my heart and watching him, I don't believe that you have. Uh, I wish I had the stats in front of me, but you he led he was among the league leaders in deep completions. You know, getting those air yards that we all love turning into touchdowns, except he only had five touchdowns on deep passes where everyone else who completed 
uh, deep passes in the same range as him, they all had 10. And that's just one of those, it's one of those, the ball bounced the wrong way for Drew Brees this past season. So I, I am still all in on him being an elite fantasy quarterback. So if he's there in the eighth, maybe the ninth, I do not mind breaking my mold apart and grabbing what I would consider an earlier quarterback. Yep, more boring podcasting. I totally agree. Like even though the volume yes! was down, <laughs> the the efficiency was there. You, like he was hyper efficient last year, even though he wasn't you know hitting as many touchdowns. That's oh, that was the only difference. And I'm with you. That stuff's got to bounce back. Mike, this has been awesome, man. Uh, do you have any other thoughts on analyzing quarterbacks or draft strategy for the position that you want to give to the listeners before we sign off here? No, it, it's the numbers. I mean, the way the way that I do fantasy football. Uh, I'm a, I'm a man of the people. I'm not. Other people are much much better with breaking down all the the Excel sheets. I mean, you guys, JJ, who I already brought up, you guys are pros at saying this is exactly this is mathematically why. I try to use some of those stats, but then I just I use what I'm seeing. You can see and, it and following the trends of you have to believe us. Late round quarterback is the way to go. If you've never done it before, so here's my closing uh, thing. The very first time I drafted a quarterback late, I was freaking out because I was watching the talent or what I believed to be the talent dry up. And it's like, this is not going to work. This is, I have, I have read terrible advice. My team is going to suck. (laughs) And I was freaking out. Then you end up with guys like Carson Palmer four years ago or whatever it was when he was an MVP candidate. Those guys are available. And then you bring up over the past few years, 40-plus quarterbacks put up at least one top 12 quarterback week. I don't know if, uh, if we're all mathematicians here, but 40 quarterbacks, that's more than the amount of teams in the NFL, which means backup quarterbacks are giving you a top 12 week because that's just how quarterback works. They all touch the ball. They're all scoring points. Focus on your position players and let the quarterback fall to you. I just used a calculator. Math checks out. Uh, <laughs> la- last thing before we go, say something nice about Ben Cummins, this episode's other guest. Oh, my goodness. I, where do I even begin? My man, Ben. I love this man. Like a brother, he is he is the next big thing in DFS, and that's why we are so thrilled to have him back at the Fantasy Footballers on the Fantasy Footballers DFS podcast. He's also one of the main analysts in the Ultimate DFS Pass. Uh, he is a brilliant mind. He is uh, he's sensational on podcasts. He's extremely entertaining while giving you fantastic information. He is incredibly handsome. Uh, he smells good. He can bench press 225 pounds. Maybe I'm making that part up, but I love Ben. I'm so happy to be working with him. Good deal. Well, Hey Mike, thanks a lot for coming on the show. I really appreciate your time, man. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you. And that does it for today's two a day. Please take the time to rate review and subscribe to this podcast. It's called the two QB experience. Be sure to follow Ben Cummins on Twitter at Ben Cummins FF as well as Mike Wright at FF Hitman. Check out the show description for links to their work and head over to 2QBs.com to pick up your copy of our 2018 2QB and Superflex Draft Guide. 
You can follow the site on Twitter at 2QBs and me on Twitter at GregSauce. Whether you're tweeting at us, emailing us at 2QBs at gmail.com, or typing in our website address, be sure you spell out 2QBs with letters T-W-O-Q-B-S. Thank you all very much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Adios. Adios.